With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are off. Another episode of In Defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas. In Norman, Oklahoma, I should say the Twitterless Brad Kellner because uh, he is nowhere to be found on social media right now. MIA. Mm. It's tragic, man. It really is. Uh, we're going on two weeks now in which my Twitter account has been suspended for reasons I have no idea. So frustrating. I've been trying to reach out to the Twitter folk for a couple of weeks now. But uh, not having any luck, not getting any responses. And I think they've got bigger fish to fry just based on what the president has been tweeting out. And apparently there's a bunch of fake media outlets that are creating Twitter accounts right now, trying to act like the Associated Press or act like big time news outlets. And Twitter's like suspending all of those accounts, too. So I think I'm pretty far down the list of priorities for the Twitter support folk right now. So I think it might be a while that uh, my suspension lingers on on Twitter, unfortunately. You uh, you probably picked the worst time in the past four years to uh, do something that deserves your account being banned or something. See, I don't even know what I did is the problem. <laughs> like, it's one thing if I could, like, pinpoint what I did wrong, what I did to violate the Twitter rules, so maybe I could ha- say, hey, I apologize for this. Here's what I did. I won't do it again. But I have no idea. And just going through my emails – I almost think it's something I tweeted last year. Like I would tweet out hype videos, Texas football hype videos as part of like a countdown to kickoff before the start of the season. And I would almost like rip these videos off YouTube or I would screen capture it on my phone and then tweet them out from my account saying like, Hey, nine days away from Texas football. But I would always send a reply tweet, like giving credit to the guy who posted the video on YouTube. Like, hey, if you want to watch the actual video, here's the video on YouTube. And I almost think it's that because I went back and checked my emails from a couple of weeks ago, even before I was suspended. And I got an email from Twitter saying, hey, we've removed this tweet from your account. And it was one of those. So I'm thinking maybe it was something like that for a tweet that I did more than a year ago. And it's finally coming back to bite me for some reason. It's frustrating. I I was going to guess that you tweeted something like, hey, Texas fans, let's calm down on the Tom Herman hate. Maybe he deserves to be back in 2021. (laughs) Twitter thought it was so ridiculous that they were like, all right, Uh, this guy guy can't be on here. If that were the case, then every Oklahoma fan, every TCU fan, every fan from every other school in the Big 12 – would be suspended because every time like I think when I saw Texas beat Oklahoma State this past Saturday, there were a bunch of fans from the other nine Big 12 schools 
who are like replying on the Texas football Twitter account saying, oh, extend Tom Herman, lifetime contract, lock him up forever. So if that were the case, then uh, I think the nine other fan bases in the Big 12 would also be dealing with a lot of suspensions. But who knows, man? Maybe I offended somebody, and I think that's how it works, right? Someone has to report you for spam because I don't Um, don't tweet enough controversial stuff to where, like, Twitter corporate would actually be looking out for me, right? I mean, I I am nothing compared to some of the people that they have on that website. So I think someone had to report something I did. And I have no idea who it is or what it is or why I offended them, but uh, we are still in Twitter jail, unfortunately. Spartan Barton's all already joining us in the comments. I got a follow from him on Twitter because my Twitter's still up. So uh, when you come back, when you come back with the new account, Spartan Barton might be your first follower. How about that? It's pretty cool. Unbelievable, man. No, not spreading the Hunter Biden story, <laughs> Spartan Barton. I am so off the politics game. I mean, everyone's in the politics game right now, right? You have to be. This has just been such a bizarre week. But for the most part, my Twitter account just does not touch politics. I don't want to mess with that. And I'll be honest, I don't claim that I'm smart enough or uh, kept abreast enough to tweet relevant political stuff. So I know it's not politics related, but uh, once again, unfortunately, I have no idea what it is. Not great for this podcast, though, Tyler. I can tell you that. Well, you didn't see the tweet that I teased the show with, and I basically said, hey, there's still a scenario out there where OU and Texas rematch in the Big 12 championship game. Who, who would have thought that? Mm. I mean, who would have thought that last week, that that would have been a scenario? But, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that OU's winning out. I, I could be wrong because Oklahoma State will be a tough game. At West Virginia is going to be a tough game, too. West, WVU will play them tough out in Morgantown, more yeah. than likely. We're, we're, we're going to learn about West Virginia this weekend, right? Because they're four and two and they're three and two in the big 12, which is pretty good, right? They're one game out of first place in this league right now. And I guess there's still a feasible path to where, Hey, they could be a dark horse. They could play spoiler and get to our, they're, they're one of the six that are still mathematically in yeah. this thing. West Virginia may, I don't know if they control their own destiny or not, but there's like, the other five like control their own destiny right now, which is crazy. Well, you look at the teams West Virginia has beaten, and more specifically, the quarterbacks West Virginia has beaten this year. And I think that's cause for concern, right? Yeah. I mean, their their wins uh, against Kansas State with a backup quarterback, a true freshman, and Will Howard. Now that was still an impressive win, and I didn't think it was going to happen. So I don't want to take everything away from the Mountaineers, but they beat a backup quarterback. They actually lost to a backup quarterback in Henry Columbia with Texas Tech. Kansas doesn't have a quarterback, but they were playing the guy who's now the third string at this point. So that's one of West Virginia's wins. Uh, They played Oklahoma State with Shane Illingworth. Like that was a close game for a while. And everyone's praising West Virginia's defense for what they did in Stillwater. But, you know, that was Shane Illingworth, a true freshman, and what his second career starts. They also beat, who am I missing here? Uh, Baylor, Baylor, and Baylor in double overtime, and, and that's yeah. that's kind of my issue with West Virginia is the only time they've done something this year to where you say, hmm, okay, was last week against Kansas State. Now yep. that's the last impression that we have on them, so it matters. But losing by fourteen to Shane Ellingworth in Oklahoma State, taking two overtimes to beat Baylor at home, only beating Kansas by twenty-one, which is the biggest indictment of all. Like you only beat KU by twenty-one. In <laughs> you couldn't cover the line against Kansas yeah. at home. What are you losing? Talking? Losing in Lubbock, and then yeah, like we're talking about, they put a beat down on Kansas State, but that might not look that impressive in a couple weeks. So like their numbers nationally, I think don't they have the number one 
rated defense nationally. Like they have some really good looking numbers right now. Jarrett Dakey is like the second leading passer in the Big 12 right now. Their numbers look good, but I think it's fool's gold, and I think that they're about to get a little bit of an awakening here throughout the next four weeks. Yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about West Virginia on Saturday. So getting back to your OU point, right? Can OU run the table? You know, maybe at Morgantown is a tough game, normal years, and people are bought into West Virginia a little bit because of what they did last week, and I get that. But, you know, if West Virginia comes out to Austin and lays an egg – uh, I think the current Oklahoma team, hell, when they played a couple of weeks ago when both teams had problems, Oklahoma was better than Texas. I definitely think the current version of Oklahoma is better than the current version of Texas. Yeah. So if Texas takes care of business against the Mountaineers on Saturday, then I think Oklahoma fans can feel uh, pretty confident about that trip to Morgantown in a couple of but, weeks. But seriously, I'm sitting there yesterday and I'm like, I feel pretty good about OU running the rest of the table. Past history, the way this team looks right now, I feel pretty good about it. Then I'm like... Well, I think Texas is beating West Virginia this week. I I damn sure think that they're going to beat Kansas. And I uh oh, you froze on me, Tyler. Oh, you froze on me, Tyler. Is that my internet? Is that your internet? I think we're still on. So I think the people can see a, a talking me and a frozen you at this point. I'm going to text you and let you know what's going on. Yeah, in regards to your Texas conversation, I'm, I mean, I'm with you. Like Oklahoma's got a great shot to run the table. Their toughest game is Bedlam against Oklahoma State, but that game's in Norman, and Oklahoma generally does very well against Oklahoma State, and now I definitely know Tyler's frozen. You've got a line down my face. I'm taking up both halves of the, of the screen. Now I'm Tyler. Now I'm BK. Uh, this is great. We're improvising here. But, yeah, Oklahoma's going to be favored in all of their games. In regards to Texas, I think Texas is probably going to be favored in all of its games as well, right? They're favored by a touchdown against West Virginia this Saturday. Uh, they're off next week. Then they play Kansas. They're going to be favored in that game. The game against Iowa State, probably the toughest game remaining for the Longhorns this year, but that game's in Austin, so I think Texas is going to be favored there. And the final game of the year in Manhattan against Kansas State. I would expect the Longhorns to be favored in that game. Now we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, that's a scary game, right? Texas has struggled mightily up in Manhattan over the years, and that game's early December, right? December 5th. It's going to be very, very cold in the Little Apple, and needless to say, Texas not used to playing in those type of conditions, or at least the conditions I expect we will have in Manhattan, Kansas in early December. So, yeah, I, I still think the Longhorns are going to be favorites. You can make a case that Texas can win out and can find their way to the Big 12 championship game. And the Longhorns do control their own destiny right now to get to Arlington, as does Oklahoma. So there definitely is a feasible way in which those two teams play. Now, my confidence level for Texas is not nearly as high as it is for Oklahoma right now. Number one, Texas has a couple of tougher games left than Oklahoma, I think. And number two, I just think Oklahoma is playing better football right now, right? It seems like they buttoned up some issues. They played a couple of complete games back-to-back, right, with what they did in Fort Worth and what they did in Lubbock. I know TCU and Texas Tech aren't in the top echelon, the top tier of this conference right now, but it feels like since the Texas game and that bye week Oklahoma had after that Texas game, uh, it feels like they've sort of turned a corner the running game's back, as we talked about on Monday, we being apparently me and myself right now. But normally, Tyler, who is 
trying to link back up via phone. He was saying they're burying his internet line outside, whatever that means. So internet troubles for uh, our man Tyler McComas up in Norman, Oklahoma. But yeah, it feels like Oklahoma's got their running game figured out. Uh, the defense is starting to play a little bit better. I, I don't think we expect that group to be elite at any point this year, but I mean, Oklahoma's won the Big 12 five years in a row without a super elite defense. I think the best thing, the most positive thing you can take if you're a Sooners fan is the takeaways, right? The takeaways you've had the last couple of weeks. Alex, Alex Grinch has preached that from day one. Even though the OU defense was really, really good and much improved last year, they weren't taking the ball away a lot. They weren't creating a lot of turnovers. So that's the one thing Oklahoma fans have been clamoring for, and we've seen that a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, they always find ways to get it done, right? And this conference, we've talked about it all year long. It's so wide open, and we felt like a two-loss team could find their way to Arlington in December. And if Oklahoma does run the table, right, they they will have two losses. They lost their first two in conference play. But if you end up 7-2 and two in conference play this year, uh, that's probably enough to get you there. And it feels like that's the case right now for the Sooners. Spartan Barton says – you think Oklahoma will beat Oklahoma State? I still think Oklahoma State is number one in the Big 12. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, that game is in Norman this year. And look, I, I don't have the exact numbers. I mean, Tyler probably has them off the top of my head. I'm going to do a quick Google search for the all-time Bedlam history in terms of win-loss record. I mean, hell, I'm sure there's Oklahoma fans who scoff that this is even a rivalry considering how one-sided it's been. How about this? So OU's won five in a row against Oklahoma State's. Overall, the Sooners are 89-18 and 18 against the Cowboys. I mean, that is unbelievable. Like, that almost seems fake. I know Oklahoma is one of the most historic blue blood programs in college football, and Oklahoma State doesn't have a whole lot of history. But considering, like, how relevant Oklahoma State's been in the Mike Gundy era, the fact that this rivalry is still so one-sided, and what, Mike Gundy has two wins in his coaching career? Against Oklahoma, think about how many good Oklahoma State teams there's been in the last decade and a half. Gundy's only beaten Stoops twice, uh, Stoops and Riley, I should say, twice. That's, uh, I, I mean, I fully expect Oklahoma to win that football game. And I think we've got Tyler back on his phone out in the Man. sunshine in Norman, Oklahoma. A little change of scenery. What's going on up there, man? You good? No, uh, the guys are bearing <laughs> our internet line in the backyard, so I'm – I don't know what's worse, not having Twitter like you or not having internet like me. Like, Oh, you've got it worse, dude. Pick your death right there, man. You've got it worse. Like, I could still use the station Twitter account, so I could still be on Twitter if I want to. uh, But being completely off the grid Twitter-wise is uh, insane. So we've got Spartan Barton's question up. I don't know if you could see this on your phone. But he asked, you know, do you think Oklahoma will beat Oklahoma State? And I just ran down some of the numbers of the the history of the rivalry. Like, it almost seems – too good to be true if you're an Oklahoma fan, right? The all-time record, 89-18-7 and seven, OU is against Oklahoma State. Like, as a Texas fan, you know, we sometimes laugh about the rivalry with AM because that's so one-sided, but that's not even close to as one-sided as Bedlam has been over the years. So, I mean, is the mindset for Oklahoma fans right now, and shoot, really every year, just, ah, we're not too worried about that Oklahoma State game. Uh-oh. He may be frozen again. But what a what an attractive face that we're left with with Tyler McComas. Yep, we've lost him again. Unbelievable. All right, we'll try to get Tyler back on. But, hey, there's a few of you watching right now, so I'll keep this thing going. 
Uh, yeah, I, I have to assume the answer to that question is yes, right? I have to assume Oklahoma fans uh, are not too worried about Oklahoma State when those two teams meet, especially when the games are in Norman and Oklahoma is going to be favored in that one. I mean, I, it, you know, the old cliche is it's a rivalry game and anything can happen in a rivalry game, but it feels like whatever happens in Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma finds a way to win against their little brothers, as they call them, from Stillwater every single year. So we'll keep this thing going in defense of the Big 12. We'll start to preview some of the games this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, I don't think there's a whole lot to preview there. I mean, OU's a 38-point favorite against the Jayhawks. It feels like it's name your score when you're playing Kansas this year. Uh, I don't think 38 points is enough for Oklahoma. I think they're going to roll over Kansas in Norman on Saturday as we get Tyler McComas back on Struggles again with the Wi-Fi. Come on, man. You don't have any LTE up there? What's going on? Oh, no. We don't even get one word out of time. There we go. Well, here's the issue. There was a big ice storm down here last week. Uh Uh-huh. And so... Oh, man. You're lagging, big dog. Most of the people here still don't have power. Is it this? Okay. I heard most of the people here don't have power. So that explains some things. That also sucks. An ice storm. We don't know what that is here in Austin, Texas. That's not That's not a real thing. I'm surprised that's a thing in Norman, Oklahoma, to be quite honest. Some of the cities in the Big 12, yeah, there's ice storms there, but I wouldn't peg Norman as one of them. All right. I'm going to keep talking. Sorry, Tyler. We'll see if we can figure this thing out. Oh, what are you taking a walk around your neighborhood here? A comedy of technical errors here on In Defense of the Big 12 today. Can you hear me, my man? Oh, we, we've just got slow mo here, like we're filming an iPhone commercial. That's phenomenal. All right. I'll keep going, I think. Trying to. Wait. Nope. Nope. We lost him. All right. I'll keep going. We'll preview some of these other games in this conference. Uh, and we'll get to some of y'all's comments too. Appreciate the love in the comment section in defense of the Big 12 live Mondays and Thursdays from 10 to 11 a.m. Central Time. Normally, there's two of us. Normally, we don't have these type of technical difficulties, uh, but uh, Tyler experiencing experiencing some issues right now. So we'll see if we can get him back on before the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Let's talk Texas-West Virginia. Uh, The line of this game has actually gone down a little bit. So Texas opened up as a seven-point favorite. I think the line went up to seven and a half at one point a couple of days ago. Now I'm looking right now, and I'm seeing six and a half. So the Longhorns, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite against the West Virginia Mountaineers this weekend. Texas back into the top 25. They are ranked number 22 after that top 10 win in Stillwater this past weekend. Once again, the first victory for Texas against a top 10 team on the road since 2010. Now, 2010, a long time ago, right? Needless to say, new players, new coaches, new administrations. A lot has changed between the Longhorns 10 years ago and the Longhorns here in 2020. But after Texas went on the road to Lincoln, Nebraska, and beat fifth-ranked Nebraska 10 years ago, their next game was at home against an unranked Iowa State team. And that was a bad Iowa State team, right? That was pre-Matt Campbell era Iowa State. So they were one of the laughing stocks of this conference. And hell, at the time, Kansas was kind of good. So they were like them and Baylor were really at the bottom of this league. Uh, 
Texas lost to Iowa State at home the following week, and they looked terrible. And Mac Brown, I'll never forget this, just ripped everybody in that post-game press conference. He ripped his coaches. He ripped his players. I mean, nobody was let off the hook after that performance. And not only did Texas lose to Iowa State the following week at home, they actually lost four in a row after beating fifth-ranked Nebraska. So the last time Texas beat a top-10 team on the road, they followed that up with a four-game losing streak. That's not going to happen this year for Texas, right? This Texas team is not the 5-7 and seven Garrett Gilbert-led Texas team of 2010. And also, the Longhorns have a game against Kansas on the schedule here in a couple of weeks. So they might lose to West Virginia on Saturday, and they, they could lose to Iowa State and Kansas State to wrap up the season, but they're not going to lose four in a row. My point is, don't let history repeat itself if you're Texas. And a more recent historical trend, so we don't have to go all the way back to Mac Brown 2010, the Longhorns have really struggled building off success, right? We've talked about this on the show here in Austin a lot this week. Like anytime this program under Tom Herman, and it predates Tom Herman to be quite honest, but anytime under Tom Herman, this program experiences a little bit of success, it feels like they let it get to their head and they don't play well the following week. We saw that this year, the Texas Tech game in Lubbock, miracle comeback, the Longhorns down by 15, the final three minutes of regulation. They come back, they find a way to win, and Tom Herman after the game and at his press conference on Monday after that game was like really proud of his team and really proud of their fight, and hey, we did something really, really impressive here, this crazy comeback to win this football game. Winning is hard. Going on the road to Lubbock and doing what we did is not easy. And it, and it felt like there was a lot of patting themselves on the back for what they did in that game. But in reality, Texas was an 18-point favorite against Texas Tech, and they needed that crazy comeback and overtime to beat a very, very bad Texas Tech team. It felt like they let some success get to their heads. Then the next week, what do they do? They lose to an average TCU team at home. So that cannot happen for Texas. They can't be on their high horse after that win in Stillwater and then all of a sudden lay an egg against West Virginia because West Virginia is a decent team. They've got one of the best defenses defenses in all of college football statistically right now. So the Longhorns cannot overlook West Virginia this week. We've got Tyler McComas back on. What are you on now? You on Wi-Fi? You on? I'm on like this. You on Carrier Pigeon? little bitty hot spot thing so i might there actually you go. be good okay Am you're right? Am right I moving in slow motion like an iphone video or something <laughs> now nah, you're good right now man we'll uh okay. we'll keep this thing up we'll let you get some words in because i've been talking a whole bunch okay well to show my apology i'd like to tell everyone a funny story about what happened at the ou texas tech game on saturday so the ou radio crew is in the press box and there's a group of, you know, pretty drunk OU fans that are kind of sitting next to them. They, like, run into the press box and or run into the radio booth, I should say, and, you know, introduce themselves to the radio crew. And they're giving everybody hugs. Like, you can kind of tell that they're, you know, smashed a little bit. <laughs> they come back later in the game and give one of the guys on the radio crew, like, a rattlesnake tail. Because, get it? Spencer Rattler's the quarterback. Ah, yes. Is, uh now, the 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 thing I'm about to tell you about is somebody's ringing the door, of course, right? <laughs> the moment that I'm about to tell you about, real quick before I go answer this door, is <laughs> all of a sudden, a guy next to him in the suite starts knocking at him. And there's video of this, by the way. It's on the internet. There is video of this. 
and he points over to the booth next, and this OU fan, this chick, flashes. Oh! Shows her boobs to the OU radio crew. Wow. And yes, yes, yes. Have you ever heard that before? The radio crew of a team getting flashed during a football game? That happened. Yeah. That happened Saturday, OU Tech. Wow, Tech. on the road, but it was by an road. OU yes. fan. Uh-huh. If it was a Tech fan or like a Tech student, I wouldn't be that surprised. Oh, that, yeah. an OU fan. And, and that's why I took that statement back. I said, okay, crazy do, crazy things do happen in Lubbock. Wow. That is awesome. Oh, my God. Well, the sweets, you know, they've got those uh, all-you-can-drink, those bottomless bar things. Go get the door, yeah. man. No, nah, it's cool. It's, if they okay. ring again, I'll go get it. But All right. Uh, that is hilarious. Wow, I had not heard that story. And all right, hold, hold, hold on one second. I'll all right, go, go get it. I'll, I'll hold the fort down for now. Uh, I have not heard that before. And, man, I've been calling a lot of games over the years. That's never happened to me. I'm, I'm kind of jealous of the OU radio crew. Although, you know, it depends. Not, uh, not every flash is a good flash. You know, there's some of those things you might not want to see. So, all right. Tyler goes to get the door. Texas, West Virginia thoughts. I think this game's going to be close. West Virginia's defense is really, really good. Um, number four in the country in total defense, and the three teams ahead of them have all played two or fewer games. So, like, teams in the Mountain West or teams in the Big Ten who have, like, just started their seasons, uh, they're the only teams ahead of West Virginia in terms of total defense. Who's at the door? Did you get a package? What happened? So, I told you about the ice storm that we had last week. Yeah. And there's, like, trees down everywhere. Like, it's – there, I haven't seen an ice storm like this around here in like 25 years. Anyway, we had a uh, tree on our roof, and this guy was coming by to see if we still needed. I'm so glad that you didn't answer that door, though, because he said a Hebrew joke while at the door. I'm not I'm not kidding. Oh. He's, yeah. Yeah, he said a Hebrew. I can't tell you what he said, but I was like, wow, the person I'm talking to really wouldn't appreciate that right now. How about so. that? <laughs> I'm trying to think what he could say. Like, was it in the context of – yeah, he said he's been he said he's been working harder than a Hebrew, and maybe mm. you can figure out the rest of that. But yeah, yeah. all right, well, that's a bad bit. But uh, Norman, Oklahoma, at its finest. Well, you're not even. Are you in Norman? I'm in Oklahoma City, actually. Oh, so, come on! Yeah. You'd like to think? Uh, it's the, okay, it's the whole state of Oklahoma, man. Yeah. The, the the jokes write themselves for you guys at times. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm glad that you didn't answer that. Oh, man. I'm glad that you didn't answer the door. You know, that's funny. That I mean, that's, a, that's, you can't, I mean, you say stuff like that and you run the risk of running into the wrong person, you know? Yeah. You know what their background is. That's a dangerous game. Uh, I'll tell you, I probably would not be the wrong person. Uh, I'm not going to do anything if, if that happens, uh, if it's all in good fun. But, uh, shoot, that's hilarious. All right, where are you with Texas-West Virginia this Saturday, man? Where are you at? With um, I, I, think, I, think, I think Texas wins by – I think Texas wins by eight. I'm going to say like a 28-20 type of football game. I just I'm – not, I'm not buying West Virginia. And I think as the season goes along, this Texas team could really get better and better. Like it all depends on this week, right? Like I feel like – I don't know if this is the turning point because I think last weekend's win at OSU was the turning point. But if they win this weekend, I mean, seriously, man, and this is – I've taken 30 minutes to get to this conversation because my internet's been cracked today. <laughs> but if Texas wins this weekend, which I think that they're going to, it's like, dude, well, they're going to beat Kansas, okay? And maybe you think Iowa State's the better team, maybe. 
But this feels like a very similar situation to when they came down to Austin two years ago yep. and they hung up like 10 points and looked like crap. Like, let's not act like Iowa State still isn't prone to throwing up a complete stinker on the road. Okay, so Texas can definitely win the home game against Iowa State. And then they go up to Manhattan. I know it's going to be cold. I know the temperatures are going to be awful. But Kansas State at that time, they may be checked out. They may be out of things. They don't look like a very good offense right now. And if Texas has a lot to play for going up to Manhattan, you're going to get a pretty good effort from them. So I don't know, man. I just I, I looked at it yesterday, and I still realize the issues that Texas has. But I'm like, dang, after winning in Stillwater – their chances of going undefeated the rest of the way and facing OU in a rematch in a Big 12 championship are really a, a whole lot more likely than I think people out there realize. This, this Texas team can run the table, man. They, yeah, they can. we talked about it while you were gone. Like, Texas is probably going to be favored in all four of its remaining games. Yeah. So, technically, they're going to be expected to run the table down the stretch. I think this team just is what it is, man. I mean, I don't think they've improved a whole lot. I think the defense has gotten progressively better as this year has gone on. Uh, I really do. And they did a great job against Chuba Hubbard. I mean, they held Chuba Hubbard to less than three yards yeah. a carry, his lowest per carry output in his career at Oklahoma State. So the defensive line has improved a lot. The linebackers, which were a weakness at the start of the year, I don't want to call them a strength, but they're adequate. They're fine right now And Texas has two linebackers. They have no depth at that position, but they've got two linebackers that can make enough plays to make this defense relevant. The cornerbacks are still terrible. Uh, they got worked by Tylen Wallace in Oklahoma State. I mean, Spencer Sanders threw for 400 yards last weekend. But this Texas team just is what it is, man. Like, the offense still struggles to get things going until there's five minutes to go and they're trailing. That's yeah, the problem. You're flying very close to the sun if you do that week in and week out. And, hell, they've lost a couple of games to TCU in Oklahoma because the offense hasn't been able to get things going until the fourth quarter. And, look, they were lucky to win that game, man against Oklahoma State. Like, I saw a stat from the S&P Plus. They've got a win expectancy stat, and it's game by game across college football, and it takes a whole bunch of things into consideration. Like, it's not just the teams going into the game, but it's like what happens during the game, explosive plays, takeaways, penalties, all this stuff. In Texas, their win expectancy with all of the stats and all of the things that happened in Stillwater on Saturday was 3%, which is the lowest – for any team in any college football game this year. Yeah. So Texas dodged like so I don't think they like turned a corner with what they did in Stillwater. Now, a win in Stillwater is impressive and Oklahoma State going into that game was the best team in this league and they still might be one of the best teams in this league. So I don't want to take that away and look all wins count the same if you win with a plus 4 turnover margin, that counts the same as, you know, winning by 50 points whatever. But I I I still think this Texas team has some obvious flaws. And I still think they're going to play in a lot of close games. They still play up to their competition, but they also play down to their competition. Texas is a six and a half to seven point favorite this weekend. Tom Herman is five, nine and one against the spread when he is a six point or more favorite during his time at Texas. So like that's a testament to them playing down to their competition. And if you keep doing that, you keep letting teams hang around, you're going to lose another game on your schedule. So I still think Texas has another loss in them. I don't think it's going to be this weekend. I think this weekend's going to be close. Uh, but I, th there's going to be a slip-up, I feel like, for this team down the stretch, and that might spell the end of the Tom Herman era. I mean, hey, and that's fair. I, You know, you, you think that maybe they turned a corner after winning in Oklahoma State, but you're right. The first down numbers weren't close. The total yards weren't close. The passing yards weren't close at all. And Oklahoma State was a play away 
seemingly for about two and a half quarters of just blowing that game wide open and it might be over. But yeah. Oklahoma State mistakes caused Texas to be in that football game. That roughing the punter on fourth and 22 or whatever it was, the turnovers by uh, Spencer Sanders in that game were bad. But as long as you got Sam Ellinger and as long as you got Joseph Osai playing the way that he is, they're going to have a legitimate chance to win every single week. So I, I don't know. You, you win this week and you say, we can beat a, we can beat Iowa State. We can beat Kansas State. Maybe it just looks more likely after getting this two-game stretch with uh, – I, or I guess really that three-game stretch. Now, they, they have a three-game winning streak if they uh, get past this week, right? Yeah, and we talked about it on Monday, right? Like, that was the toughest test for Texas. You know, the conversation was relatively similar last Thursday, right? If the Longhorns can run the table, they're going to give themselves an opportunity to get to the Big 12 championship game. And their toughest test was that trip to Stillwater, and they passed it. So, yeah, once again, I mean, they're going to be favored most likely in all four of these games, so they definitely have a shot to get it done. Ellinger's been super clutch, but he hasn't been great for a a four-quarter stretch this year. Uh, and they've got some pieces. Joseph Osai, I'm glad you brought him up. I mean, what he did last weekend was ridiculous, but he's a little banged up. Sam Ellinger's a little banged up. Both of those guys are going to play on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, this Texas team is not perfect. They're far from it. They still have some flaws. And I talked about it while you were gone. This team in the Tom Herman era has had a tendency to let a little bit of success get to their heads. Mm-hmm. They can't let that happen. They can't have a letdown or the season. And once again, maybe the tenure of this head coach will come to an end on Saturday. Yeah, I actually heard that uh, one of the five times I was trying to join in on LTE. <laughs> it's just bouncing around everywhere. I did I did hear that part. There we go. Um, I, I don't know if you've uh, talked about OSU Kansas State or not yet, but it just feels like K-State is kind of teetering. Like if they win this game, then the path to a Big 12 championship is still very much there. If they lose it, I feel like they are going to crater, but they just don't have any offense right now, man. And, and they're facing maybe the best defense in all the conference who's coming off a loss. So, you know, yep. Initially, when I saw Oklahoma State being a double-digit favorite on the road at in Manhattan, I said, ooh, I don't know, that's too many points. The more, though, that I look at this game, the more that I think that Oklahoma State might roll. The only thing is, and it's the million-dollar question, is Spencer Sanders going to actually take care of the football? That's the difference in between Oklahoma State routing K-State or K-State hanging around and making this a game. Like, Spencer Sanders is the key to this entire game. Yeah, and the line has gone up in this game. I think Oklahoma State's now a 12-and-a-half-point favorite after this line opened up around 9-and-a-half to 10. So the money's coming in on the Cowboys coming off a loss, as you mentioned. Do you think there's a leash on Spencer Sanders, Tyler? Like if Spencer Sanders has a bad first half and turns the ball over a couple of times in Manhattan this weekend, do they make the move to Shane Illingworth, who looked pretty good in his couple of games this year? If they're down like 14-0, 14-3, and he's had a couple bad turnovers, I think that you throw – and I think that we talked about it maybe last week too. It's the Lincoln-Riley-Spencer-Rattler effect. You give Shane Illingworth a couple series like you had the intention of bringing Spencer Sanders back but you throw Shane Illingworth in there just to calm the kid down, see what you got with your backup quarterback in a game like this. Like, you can't just – they can't continue to go on. Now that they've got a loss, they can't continue to go on with him turning the ball over because if he does that this weekend and they lose, all of a sudden they have to win in Norman, a place where they don't win all that often, just to make it to the Big 12 championship game. So it's tough to say that their back is against the wall after just one loss in the conference. 
But in terms of getting better play out of their quarterback position, they, they kind of are, man. I Two turnovers in the first half, I, I think that that's kind of the line of, all right, we got to throw Illingworth out there and see if we can get a different kind of pace and see if we can get a different energy and see if something else can happen here. But I absolutely think that that's on the table. And say what you want about K-State or where you think they're headed, they do have a good defense. Yep. Wyatt Hubert, I think, is a really good player. Uh, Goolsby in the back end is a really good player. Like I, I think that there's a real scenario where Kansas State turns Oklahoma State over a couple times this week. Yeah, and Lynch, number 59 on K-State, I think leads them in sacks this year as a defensive yeah. tackle, which is pretty impressive. They've got some dudes on the defense. The question for this game, though, and I agree with you on Spencer Sanders in that conversation, but the question is, can K-State's offense do anything? Because West Virginia's defense is very good, and Will Howard couldn't get anything going against yeah. the Mountaineers last weekend in Morgantown. Oklahoma State's defense is probably better. Now, there are some statistical categories you can point to and say, ah, oh, West Virginia is better. But watching these two teams this year, knowing the personnel that they have, Oklahoma State's defense, I think, is better than West Virginia's defense. So that's a scary proposition for Will Howard, considering how bad he looked last week. And I think I said this on Monday. I can't remember. Will Howard, like his decision-making in Morgantown was not bad. He was just inaccurate. Like his throws yeah. were off. I don't know what's better, right? I don't know if you'd rather have an inaccurate quarterback or a poor decision-making quarterback, but like he didn't look too rattled in terms of like he didn't know where to go with the football. His throws were off. So, you know, is that a one-off or is that a consistent theme? Or, you know, what do you have to worry about with Will Howard going forward? Because he looked pretty good for a couple of weeks, at least good enough for K-State. But, yeah, he was really, really bad last week. So so, so you're thinking, asking, would you rather have Tim Tebow or Jameis Winston? Tim Tebow's inaccurate. Jameis Winston makes terrible decisions. There you go. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I, I think K-State's going to keep this one a little bit closer than you do. I think they will cover the 12 and a half. Would I be shocked if Oklahoma State ran away with this one? No, uh, because, you know, Will Howard, once again, I mean, if he plays like he did last week, this game is going to get out of hand, but – I do think Oklahoma State will turn the ball over a couple of times, and I think Kansas State's defense will do enough to keep the Wildcats in this. The over-under for this is 46. I mean, when do you see that in a Big 12 game? That is unbelievably low. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a testament to how good these defenses are and how you know inopportune these offenses have been this year. K-State does have a massive edge in this game, and I'm, and I'm okay with saying massive. Special teams. Special mm. teams. We saw what they did against KU special teams, and I know that that's KU, whatever, but they blocked yeah. a punt against OU, which completely changed the game. Kansas State makes plays on special teams. They can take kicks back. They can take punts back. They can get to kick. No. Yeah, sorry, I got a phone call. But if oh. they can get one of those big special teams plays, I think that they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's a great point. The special teams. I mean, that cost Oklahoma State last week, right? Uh, yeah. Think about it. Texas had a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. You brought up the roughing the punter penalty on fourth down and 22. Like, if either of those things doesn't happen, Oklahoma State's still undefeated and at the top of this league. So that's a good point right there. I do think the Pokes are going to win, though, uh, but I think they'll keep this one. I think K-State will keep this one relatively close but obviously a huge game for this conference and if you're Oklahoma State like despite the loss to Texas you're still very much in the thick of things for this conference and look even if you lose to Oklahoma in a couple of weeks like if Texas loses another game Oklahoma State's got tiebreakers over Iowa State and they'll have a tiebreaker over K-State and they'll have tiebreakers over West Virginia so like Oklahoma State is still very much in this thing 
If they lose this game, though, and obviously you lose to Oklahoma for your third loss in a couple of weeks, then that probably spells doom for the Cowboys. So they've got to find a way to win the games they're supposed to win the rest of the way, which I think is all of them except for Bedlam. And then they still have a very, very good shot to at least play for the conference title this year. What was the reaction in Austin this week when they put up the on their scoreboard that's attached to Gallagher Iba Arena? They put up those yellow upright looking things. You know, to distract, uh, distract Dicker the kicker. I actually didn't even notice it in real time. I don't know how oh, I, I missed either. it. I don't know how I missed it, but uh, yeah, that was pretty low class from Oklahoma State right there. And Tom Herman talked about it in his game week press conference on Monday. And he mentioned that he had talked to Bob Bowlesby in the Big 12. And the Big 12 basically told Oklahoma State, yo, yeah, yeah, you can't do that. I think impermissible was the exact verbiage uh, they used. That's uh, I'm all for competitive advantages, but that feels like a bad bit right there from Oklahoma yeah. State. And I don't think that's going to happen again. I mean, they tried to get away with it, right? Like there was no rule against it, I guess, to that point in, in the Big 12 rule book. So, hey, why not give it a go? Uh, this feels like it's going to be a close game against Texas. And if we can make their kicker miss a field goal, we might win this game. And hell, the game went to overtime. So maybe they would have been right if Dicker the kicker missed that one. Uh, but yeah, bad bit right there. And man, this, this, this fan base has been so, I mean, it just depends on who you ask, right? Like half of the fan base is super pumped, huge win. First road win against the top 10 team in 10 years. Season's back on track. We still have a shot to get to Arlington. Let's go. Let's run the table. Here we go. Come on. And the other half of the fan base is just so incredibly apathetic. And it's like they've given up on Tom Herman already. So I don't want to say they're rooting for a loss, but like I feel like a lot of this fan base would have been perfectly fine if Texas lost to Oklahoma State because that means maybe a shot at Urban Meyer. So it's so weird. You get a win as impressive as that, a win that saves your season and could potentially turn your season around. And you've got a large percentage of this fan base that isn't that excited about it and is almost pissed that it might save Tom Herman's job. It's crazy. Hey, you guys got to knock it off down there, by the way, with the initials, okay, that you're using for Urban Meyer on message boards, okay? How you're wording that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. You're making, let me just say this. You're trying to say you're saying Coach Urban Meyer, Coach oh, Urban Meyer, but nice. you guys are like, Come on, you guys got to knock that off, all right? Hey, don't put it, you guys. Jeez. Don't don't throw me in with the wolves, man. I'm not uh, I'm not a huge message board guy. That cracks me up though. That is that is very very. Funny. I think Ketchum was one of the ones that was. Oh, doing he started that. it. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's going on on Orange Bloods, right? I mean, those message boards, those forums are spectacular, and you can always find a couple of good laughs. On, uh, on any of those insider sites, but that would be pretty funny if it was uh, Catch who was, who was doing that bit. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's where this fan base is at, right? Like, you know, there's, there's obviously some Texas fans, and every fan base has those fans who are ride or die, and they're never going to root for their team to lose. But then there's fans who are like, you know, like how I am with the Cowboys right now. Huh. Yeah. When do I ever root for the Eagles to beat the Cowboys? Like never. I mean, I, I never root for Philly and I never root for Dallas to lose, but it's like at this point, the best thing for the future of the Cowboys is to lose out, to get a top three draft pick. Lose out, get a top three draft pick and take another running back in the first. Ah, don't do that. That's like, receiver, sorry. Yeah, jerk. That's the conversation for Texas for a lot of people right now. It's like, if they win out, is it like, is, is it a good thing? Or is it, you know, like we got to keep Tom Herman, who's not 
a great coach. I think that's obvious at this point who is not recruiting well, which, you know, maybe winning cures everything, but right now I don't, I don't know if the recruiting class can really be cured at least this 2021 class. Plus you already lost two of your three cats for 22, including Quinn Ewers. So yeah, there's a large portion of this fan base that is like, uh, do they lose? Should they lose? Is it better for this team to lose? Hey, at least you care. Because I hate this week doing radio in Norman because OU plays Kansas and there's nothing to talk about. Oh, yeah. Kansas sucks. And you know what makes me mad? They don't care that they suck. Kansas fans just laugh at themselves the entire time like, <laughs> we're really bad at football. Well, why don't you at least do something about it? I'm not asking you to go eight and four, but you can go four and eight. Please. I mean, seriously, like I'm at, a, I'm at the Big 12 basketball tournament a few years back and they throw like a full court one, you know, full court pass or whatever. And, KU fan says, huh, that's a touchdown. We don't normally get very many of those. It's like, dude, like, you guys got to actually care. I know you're a basketball school, but my God, at least try to act yeah. like this thing matters a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, what a difference a decade makes, right? At the end of the Mangino era with Todd Reesing and and Jake Sharp and Des Briscoe and Aqib Tlaib. I mean, they're, they're, they're winning Orange Bowls. Uh, like, they're, they're playing for BCS Bowls. They're ranked in the top 10 in the country and now, yeah, I mean, even their own fans think they're a laughing stock. And it's, I, I mean, what do they do? Like, they're trying at Kansas. Obviously, they're not trying as hard as they are at basketball, but they just had a bunch of money pumped into football facilities upgrades. It's not like they've kept the same coach around. Like, they never should have fired Mangino. It's the same thing with yeah. Mike Leach, right? Like, sure. allegations of of this, and they were blown way out of proportion, and they got fired. Like, they fired their best coach in school history, for no real reason. They've tried, like they've gone through four coaches since then and they've tried to hire up and comers. And they've also tried to hire established guys like Charlie Weiss. And the only Robert. thing they've got out of those guys is having to pay massive buyouts. Exactly. And, and they've hired multiple AD. Like, it's not like they're not trying at all, but yeah, I mean, what can you do if you're a fan? Like you, you, you gotta laugh at it. It's frustrating as hell. I watch that team play every week and I hate it. It sucks, but hell, if you can't have fun with it, then, you're really going to be miserable forever. Is this the worst? Okay, this is the worst KU team yes. since when? Oh, man. I don't know if I've ever seen one this bad. I mean, you, you go back to the Turner Guild days, who was the first coach, and, and that's the guy who really ruined the Kansas football program, right? The guy they hired after Mark, Mark, Mark Mangino. Just, I mean, he's the start of the ultimate downfall of Kansas football. Uh, God, they had some really, really bad teams. And David Beatty had some bad teams, but – I don't know, man. This might be the worst. Like last year's Kansas team beats this year's Kansas team by three touchdowns. If not. Right. So this is, I mean, Jalen Daniels is finally starting to play well at quarterback and maybe he's separating himself from those other guys. Now, well is a very relative term, right? You look at the rest of the conferences or the rest of the teams around this league, the rest of the quarterbacks around this league, and he's still probably the 10th best. And hell, there might be backups at some schools who are better than Daniels, but maybe they found a quarterback at this point, but it's taken them what, like seven weeks to find something at that position. Uh, Puka Williams is gone. They don't have any impact players on defense. They're terrible, dude. So, like, so why, would, why wouldn't I just fire off OU minus 38 this week? Then? I, 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 you know, it, it's name your score for OU, right? The only reason they wouldn't win is if they take their foot off the gas completely. They just don't care. And they bench everybody at halftime. And they, like, they, they're like, they run out of – like, even if OU runs the football – on every single play to try to take their foot off the gas. They could still score pretty easily. 
So like Oklahoma would have to be like running out of bounds or purposely purposely putting the football on the ground and letting KU take it. Uh, that's like the only way I think Oklahoma does not cover this weekend. Kansas is that bad, and it feels like Oklahoma has kind of turned a corner, and they're they're starting to run away from the teams they're supposed to run away from. Yeah, about time. Yeah, okay. surely they run away from KU this weekend, but they really haven't played well against Kansas since 2016. Yeah, that's that's you know? true, right? Maybe that's why the two line years is- ago, two years ago, KU put 40 on them in Norman. Woo. Yeah. Now, nah, Puka Williams had a phenomenal day, right? Ran for over 200 in that game. So maybe that's it, right? Like, I, for some reason, Kansas has kept things, cl- I don't want to say close, but closer than they probably should have against Oklahoma, considering the talent discrepancy uh, over the, between these teams over the last few years. So maybe that's it, right? Uh, Vegas has probably been burned on some of these huge lines they've had in this football game. But, yeah, I don't think 38 is going to be enough. Last, uh, this will be the first time Les Miles has been back to Norman since that epic 2003 Bedlam game. Wow, all the trash before kickoff. So, how about that? And that was what 52 to nine was that game? Nice, nice pull right there. That's exactly right. 52 to nine. Good one. Oh man, what about these other two games in this conference? Um, we'll go Iowa State Baylor first because Iowa State's ranked. Uh, they're still very much in the mix, right? Tied for first place oh, yeah. in the Big 12 yeah. right now. And they they also control their own destiny uh, for this conference. And they've got some winnable games left on their schedule, right? I mean, if they went out, they're well, – they need some help, don't they? Because Oklahoma State beat them. So they need – Yeah, they need, a, they need OU to win Bedlam is what they need. Yeah, but – Yes, they do. They need to win yeah. out. They need to – yeah, good, good call. Yeah. All right, confused myself there. They've got some winnable games, though, at home against Baylor this weekend. They're 14-point favorites. They should win that one. Baylor's not very good. Baylor can't score. I, I don't know who's worse offensively, Baylor yeah. or Kansas. And they've got three Three of their last four games are at home. Now, the toughest game for Iowa State is the trip to Austin, Texas, which might be a de facto Big 12 semifinal game like it was yeah. in 2018. But you think Baylor has any shot to keep things close against Iowa State this No, weekend? I mean, just because I haven't seen anything from their offense that makes me think that they can be competitive in this game. Now, the, the one thing that does give me pause is this is Iowa State, man. This is Iowa State, and at some point they're going to slip up and play a poor football game and lose. I think that that's – Way more likely to happen in Austin, Texas, coming yes. up in a couple of weeks. But I, let's not act like totally surprised if Iowa State lay, lays an egg this week. But Iowa State can still play poorly and beat Baylor. I yeah, think. that's why I would be totally surprised if they completely laid an egg. I, I don't think this game is going to be that close. Baylor's really, really bad, dude. And it was kind of fool's gold that that score against TCU, right? Only a ten point margin of defeat. They're now thirty nothing. Yeah, uh, I mean Baylor has nothing on offense. That team looks lost right now. They're not going to Ames and, and playing Iowa State competitively, I think. Let's have, let's put this question up on the board before we give uh, quick thoughts on Tech TCU. Harrison asked this one a little bit earlier while you were gone. I want to make sure we hit this. Midseason players of the year in the conference right now. So I assume we're talking an offensive player of the year and a defensive player of the year and also a midseason coach of the year in the Big 12. Any thoughts on those if we're giving out these sort of midseason awards? Mid-season defensive player, let me go with – God, there's so many. You can go somebody with – you can go with Oklahoma State, Perrion Winfrey, Joseph Osai. It's Osai, dude. It's Osai. I'll save I, you the I mean, And that's who I was going to say. I think it's probably him. I, I, I think he's the best defensive player in the conference. He is. Um, he's the only player in any conference in college football to be top three in sacks – Tackles, TFLs, pressures, and forced fumbles. 
And he also leads the conference in TFLs, forced fumbles, and QB pressures. Like the dude, I know the Texas defense hasn't been great this year, but for me, and, and you mentioned it, Oklahoma State's got some dudes, West Virginia, the Stills brothers, you have to throw them in the mix. But, man, for me, if I'm giving out the award, maybe there's some burn orange bias here, but I'm going Joseph Osai, no question. Midseason Offensive Player of the Year is Brees Hall at Iowa State. Year he's having. He's yeah, fantastic. I probably agree. Some other candidates, right? Spencer Rattler could find his way in that conversation if he keeps playing really well. Uh, you, you know, you never want to count out Chuba or Tylen at Oklahoma State. Maybe Deuce Vaughn, maybe. Yeah, but he's slowed down a little yeah, yeah. over the past couple of weeks. Yes. But yeah, I think Brees Hall right now is uh, is your answer there. What about no, Coach this, of the Year? Yeah, well, yeah, this is midseason Coach of the Year. I don't think he's going to finish Coach of the Year at the end of the season, but Chris Kleiman, I guess, man. Yeah, right, with what he's done. Uh, considering the expectations for K-State and what that team was picked to finish eighth, ninth? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember this. Somewhere at the very bottom of the Big 12, and they are tied for first right now in this league. So, yeah, Chris Kleiman, probably your coach of the year in this conference. Maybe you give Neil Brown some love, too, mm-hmm. with what he's done compared to expectations, but I like that pick for Chris Kleiman. Yeah. Uh, anything else we need to hit before we get out of here? Real quick, you want to give a pick for uh, Tech TCU? I mean, not a lot of conference God. implications on the line in that game, right? Two teams in the bottom half of the standings right now. Uh, TCU a nine-point favorite in Fort Worth. What do you think? I'm going to pick Tech. To, well, I mean, I, I, I got to know if TJ Basher is back. I got to know if Sir Roderick Thompson is back. If those guys are back, I think I might actually like Tech to win the football game because they're Still pretty salty at the skill position levels. You know what? I'm I'm gonna pick tech to I'm gonna pick tech to win that game outright in four. Wow. Months. Okay. Yeah. I'll pick TCU, but I'll pick tech to cover the nine, uh, especially if those guys are playing. I, I don't think TCU is very good either. They're great against Texas, but against everybody else, pretty average. All right. Um, I promise on Monday I won't have awful internet connection. Let's hope that's the case. 10 a.m. on Twitch. Hope everyone is <laughs> back here. Might be my bad. I mean, I got a phone call. People ringing the doorbell. The guys out back are digging the internet lines, and mm. that's turned off. So, yeah, what a uh, what what a struggle! It, it it much was like the Texas season, you know. It's like Ugh. I I have hit my trials, but at the end of it, like maybe righted the ship a little bit, and like better days are to come. There you, you go. Know. I like that. One more dig at Texas football. Well done, OU fan. Yeah, you know. I like I, All right, we'll be back on Monday. In defense of the Big 12, he's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.